Welcome back to the Mind Talk podcast with myself, Edwin, and today's guest host, LaShawn. LaShawn, how are you doing? Doing wonderful. Thank you for having me on as a guest host. I hope you've been doing well. It's been a minute since we were together. Yes, it has been. No, I'm doing really well. I'm doing well. Um, yeah, when we last spoke, it was it was a fruitful conversation. Um, and our, our guest that we have on today is by yourself. Um, so we'll go on and introduce him. So today we have someone who comes initially from the world of football, um, but is doing a lot for athletes, ex-athletes, and he would be a good person to hear from and find out exactly what he's doing, find out his story, and go from there. So, Taj Sean, how you doing? I'm doing great, Edwin. Uh, appreciate you having me. It was great to get to know you a little bit before we started recording. Uh, honored to be here. LaShawn, thank you for the invitation. Uh, excited to dive into this conversation today. I can already tell it's going to be a good one. I, I, I expect it to be. So uh, we'll start asking a question that I normally ask all of our guests that come on. What was your first experience with sport? First experience, my dad wanted me to uh, be a basketball player. Uh, he actually, that was his favorite sport. So they put me into basketball at age five. Um, I was okay, but you know, I didn't really gravitate towards it. Maybe because I was little, I didn't have a growth spurt until later. Then I started playing soccer. I was pretty good at soccer because I could run fast in the open field, but I only played two years of soccer. And then when I turned 11, started playing football. Um, I always tell people, remember the Titans had just came out when I turned 10. And that movie, just like the hard hitting and all that type of stuff, I was like, I can play this sport and hit people and not get in trouble, I'm definitely going to sign up for football. And I fell in love with football, and that was the only sport I played from 10 up until age 23. So, I love it. I'm definitely a one-sport athlete. Um, I became laser-focused in cross-country and track and field, which is basically distance running slash conditioning for track athletes <laughs> and <laughs> more running and jumping um, from the track and field aspect, um, what what was your mindset? I know you said you know once you found out that hey I can I can do I can get I can hit people and not get you know get in trouble. I'm tunnel vision all the way. Did you at any point though have a curiosity for what else was out there as far as other sports? Did you do any other sports while you were playing football for recreation or post college? I mean, honestly, no. You know, I had tried all the others, except for baseball. No offense to any baseball players listening. It just never interested me. Um, so I tried all the other sports before I started playing football. And then, like you said, LaShawn, they say that uh, cross-country is conditioning for track. So people were trying to get me to run track in high school as conditioning or just to help for football. And I remember going to one track practice and just to warm up, they had us run, uh, I think it was like two miles around the track. And I was like, you know what? I could be here doing this or I could go home and chill um, and hang out with my friends. So I think I'm going to just wait till football season comes back around. So I don't know. Maybe I was just lazy. I guess if I had run track, I might have been a better football player. But the world would never know because they lost me with that first practice. I'm like, I did enough running during football season. I don't want to run right now. This is my time off. Right, right. Um, I know that you joined me in the Women's um, Discipline and Mindset Summit back in March, and we I learned so much about you as an athlete, as a former athlete, um, and one of the things that you did highlight 
um, that we talked about briefly, I don't know if we elaborated on it, was um, that you did struggle with um, depression heavily. Um, and I know that can be something that we mask as athletes, something that we can mask as people in general. Um, and it helped you, I mean, it, it prevented you from really having that vision for, for your life um, as a student athlete, for your life after sports is over. Um, can you share a little bit about that and how it affected you while you were playing sports? Yeah, so really, you know, and I know these days people throw the term around, even me, I've been guilty of this and throwing the term around depression loosely. Um, I was never diagnosed or anything, but to be honest with you, I know I was depressed because I know myself, I'm a very upbeat, like friendly person, and I was not in a good place for uh, the majority of my college career. And then, of course, immediately after. And it started because I felt like I didn't get um, I didn't go to the school I wanted to go to. Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful that I got my education paid for. I played football at Stony Brook University, which is a D1 school. But in my mind, you know, I'm from California. I had my eyes on Pac-12 schools. I wanted to go to Arizona State. Um, you know, Washington State, those were some schools that were interested in me, but never pulled the trigger and offered me. So I went into my college career at Stony Brook automatically thinking like, man, I kind of fell short. Like, I'm, you know, it's still D1, but I'm not really supposed to be here. I was supposed to be at a bigger name school. You know, people, people in California, they don't even know what Stony Brook is. It was embarrassing to me as a kid to be like, hey, I'm going to play football at Stony Brook. I'm like, what? Where's that? And so automatically it just kind of like I showed up entering my college career feeling like I fell short. Then on top of that, um, you know, there were some things maturity wise that I could have done better. Um, I think that attitude kind of rubbed the coaches the wrong way. So on top of that, I found myself like not getting much playing time. Um, I don't know people blame politics and, you know, I had a bunch of different coaching changes, position changes and all that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, I have to say, hey, I wasn't good enough to be on the field at the level that I wanted to. So that compounded how I felt internally. Um, I remember you know, freshman, sophomore year, my parents flying all the way out from California to New York and watching me uh, stand on the sidelines for the whole game. And that was one of the most challenging things for me because I really felt like I was just, you know, when football, when your sport is your entire identity and you feel like you're not achieving in that thing that has been your whole identity since childhood, you just feel like a failure. And so I went in a downward spiral. Of course, there's already a lot of drinking in college anyway, but I mean, I was drinking to party and have fun, but I was also drinking to just kind of numb myself from what I was going through. Um, so that was really challenging for me. And then, like you mentioned, LaShawn, like like we talked about on your uh, on your summit, when I left college, um, I always saw myself having a great college career and going to the NFL. So here I am, I had a, a trash college career in my mind, graduate, didn't make it to the NFL, and I just find myself back home, uh, right back where I started in my childhood bedroom, um, yes, I have a degree, but like no job experience, no idea what I want to do. And I just went, you know, I'm an unemployed college grad living back home um, with no idea what my future holds, which sent me into another downward spiral, led to more drinking, um, a lot of isolation. I remember I wasn't even talking to my family about what I was going through. I basically just went out and drank every night with my friends, um, came home and woke up around 11 a.m. or noon every morning and just kind of closed the door and stayed under the covers with the curtains closed and just watch Netflix all day. And um, it was a very challenging period in my life. And I know we'll get into it, but that's what actually inspired me to do the work that I'm doing now. But um, I've had many ups and downs, basically from the age of like, you know, 18, when I first got to college, like 18 to 24, 25, some of the most challenging years of my life. 
So how, how did it differ in terms of 18 to 24? What was the time, some of the things that were going on when you were around 18? And then in terms of depression, how did that change when you were around the age of 24? Um, the age of 18. So the thing about when I was 18, like I was saying, the challenge was just not being at a school I wanted to be at. But the difference between then and me being age 24 was I had football to still mask it, right? So when I was in college at 18 through, you know, uh, 22, yes, I was drinking a lot, just like every other college student. So it wasn't really that big of a deal, but I also had football. I could take my aggression out on the field. Um, I had my teammates around me. So that was one area, but I, I'd say definitely the, the depression for me was worse after college because you removed football from it. So now I've lost my identity. I've lost the support system of, you know, teammates, coaches, staff, all that type of stuff. I've lost the outlet of football. Um, I've lost being able to say, like, you know, when you're in college, it's like, hey, I'm getting my education. So automatically people are like, hey, you have a bright future ahead of you. OK, now I'm out of college, but I have nothing going on. So that just added, you know, fuel to the fire as well. So I would say that was the main difference. You strip football away from it. And as anyone listening and you guys know, you take the sport away. Um, it just kind of you're forced to deal with all those things that you could use the sport as an outlet for, you know. Yeah, that definitely. I I know it resonates with me. I know it it can reson resonate with many people who are listening. I mean, I I also know athletes who, you know, they weren't as laser focused. I mean, I I feel like I'm talking to. <laughs> myself when I talk to you like a male like a male version of the athlete of myself because I went into college knowing like yeah I mean I'm on scholarship I did and get to go to my you know top school my dream school and yet upon graduation it's like all right I don't have this thing to look to I don't have this team this support that you know I had for four years um, this is probably a pop question, um, but what did you do as far as what was your, I know you were on, you weren't employed for a, a time there right after college, but what was your first place of employment, um, upon graduating and was it, did it in any way, shape or form help to, to put a fire underneath you when it came to, all right, I need to get myself together. This is not where I want to be. This is, you know, this is definitely a stepping stone. What was that right, mindset right. for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So I actually made the shift of, I have to get myself together before I got my first job because I was like, all right, well, the least I can do is start to be productive. And this is what I you know, tell athletes now is, you want to take that athletic mindset, the thing that made you great at your sport and transfer that into other areas of your life. So at the time, I didn't know what I was doing or what I wanted to do, but I was like, I was like, well, I know how to be productive and I know how to put myself in position to win. So, hey, let me stop the drinking. Let's just start with that. Let me get on a better sleep schedule. Let me start working out again so my mind can be more clear so I can develop some focus. And um, I did not want to work in the corporate world like I. I was, I was making beats uh, for a while. Like I was like, I'm gonna be the next Pharrell. Uh, I was working in the music industry because I, I lived close to, to Hollywood at the time. So I was doing internships. Um, and, and though it was a lot of fun, I realized I wasn't willing to dedicate myself uh, to making music, like to be broke for the next X amount of years. It was more of a hobby than something I was passionate about. Um, and then 
So I was like, okay, I have to get a real job so I can get some money and, and get out of the house. So I started out in sales and, you know, a lot of people tell athletes to get into sales because it's competitive and all that, which, which is true. And sales is a great foundation for anything you want to do in life. At the same time, um, I was only doing sales so I could make money. There was no greater vision behind it. Um, and because of that, although I was making great money because I know how to apply myself and the competitor kicked in, I wasn't, I knew long-term it, it wasn't going to work for me. So I started making a shift into recruiting started helping people. And then eventually my recruiting job by actually helping people put food on the table for their families that led into what I'm doing now. So I was building the skills as a recruiter, helping people get prepared for job interviews, helping them find clarity, um, feeling like I was making a difference for people. It was an easy pivot for me to start um, helping athletes do a similar thing, but really just to bring it full circle. Yeah. I had to make the, the, the mental shift to decide that I was going to take responsibility for where I was and start to carve out something that uh, was more productive moving forward. Because clearly what I was doing at the time wasn't working. When it, when it came to helping people, is that something that a skill you had like when you were younger? Was that something you developed over time? I think so. Um, you know, before we started recording, Edwin, I think you talked about like parents and how our parents play a role in, you know, how our lives unfold in good ways and bad ways. For me, um, my mom always called me like from a young age, like as early as like five years old, she called me her rock. Like, because, you know, of course she could talk to my father about things, but um, my mom was going through a lot at the time. And she always like, at a young age, talked to me about things. Um, just told me like what the world is really like and understood that I can handle those things. And so um, I think for me, it started with that relationship with my mother. And then also I was always like, uh, I guess mature for my age. So growing up amongst my peers, like I was always like the older brother, a big brother figure. Of course, people who were younger than me, but even people who were the same age as me. And sometimes people who are older than me, depending on the situation. So I think I've always kind of had that where people know like, hey, Taj is solid, he's grounded, he's level-headed. Like I can come to him with things and he'll give me like an honest perspective. Um, so I think that's why I was having success in recruiting. And that's ultimately why I was like, you know what, I can, I can help athletes with this as well. I'm already kind of that person. I just want to help the younger version of me. Like you said, LaShawn, I want to help people who were going through what I went through. Um, and I know that's a big part of your mission too, Edwin. Like at a certain point, I think all of us get to a point where we're like, okay, I've come through the other side of this thing, but I know there are still people going through this thing or who will be going through this thing. Let me reach back and pull those people up. Um, that's a part of what we all do, you know? Yes, yes, I I do agree. I do agree. We all, I think, are in that space where we have this innateness to reach back, you know, reach out to those who we see or we know because we were there in some way, shape or form struggle with that. What's next? Struggle with, oh, my gosh, this is all I know. Well, what do I do now that this is? you know, taken away. This has been taken away from me. And not even really, we say taken away, but it's not really taken away. It's just, we've progressed. We look at it as a progression. And so when you're talking on your podcast, because you do have a podcast um, as well, and you have, you have former athletes come on because that, that's your main audience is former athletes. Um, what are some of the 
what are some of the uh, responses that some of your guests have given when it comes to that uh, progression from sports to life post sports? What are some of the, the regular responses that you get? Some of the mindset shifts that some of your, your, your guests have had to take or have been enlightened with? Yeah, I think it all comes down to the same thing for all of us as former athletes. And that's why um, conversations like these are so important because too many of us, um, I'll use this example. So whether it's us having this conversation or guests on my podcast or anyone that's been on this podcast before, like the people who are successful in, in, in life after their sport are the ones who are able to take that same mentality and apply it to the right thing. But it has to be the right thing. Like LaShawn, when I was on the summit, I was saying like, okay, you ran track. Um, if someone tried to make you into a professional bowler or something, like, sure, you might've been great at that, but like, it's not ultimately where you're calling or what you like the sports you, that you enjoy the most. And the same thing applies to athletes. So when I'm on my podcast and the people that I have on are people like yourselves who are doing great things, um, who have found their, their lane after their sport and are competing mostly with the person in the mirror to be great at this new thing. And so a lot of times what happens is because we grow up and we get all this love and, you know, acclaim for whatever sport we played, you know, you're so great at this, like, and we're like, oh, I am good at this. So let me keep getting better at it. And then what happens is you lose your sport and you're, you're relying on other people to tell you what, what to do. Like I was saying, oh, you're an athlete, you're a competitor, you should get into sales or um, you should go be a coach. Like there are some great coaches, but not everybody's meant to go back and coach their sport. Like some people would be better served to do other things instead of going back to coach their sport just because it's comfortable. So all that being said, you know, when we have conversations like these, when I'm on my podcast, um, the guests are all telling me the same thing. It's the same thing that all of us share. It's that you really dug deep to figure out what do I actually want? What do I want my life to look like now that I'm no longer competing? And how can I start competing and building my skills up to be great at that thing? You know, and I think um, I'll just leave it at that. I'd love to hear you guys' opinion on this, too, because one of the challenges was with that is that a lot of times, like whatever that new thing is, we suck at it. Like we're not good at first, <laughs> you know, we're at the top of our field, whether you played collegiately or professionally, we're at the top of our sport and then you just, and you're like, all right, now I'm trying to do this new thing, but I'm not good. And it's scary and it sucks. And you feel like uh, you're the only one going through it. So I don't know. Did you guys experience that with your new, your new lives after your sport? <sighs> My, my, mine was a bit different. Mine was because even when I was competing, my issue was more performance anxiety. Mm. So it wasn't that I was competing and I was winning every race. I would be doing the once I started to take it seriously, I'll be training well. I'll be the best in training. Then when it comes to race day, basically just disappoint. And so when I came to the conclusion that I wasn't wasn't going to pursue it anymore. I think I was at the point where I wasn't too sure what I wanted to do. So I went, I went university college, um, and literally just went through the motions. I got a degree and everything, but I really didn't know what I wanted, wanted to do because what I wanted to do was to be an athlete. So that, that was it for me. And it took me probably a few years until I realized, okay, that, that part of my life is done. I need to now figure out what I'm going to do next. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people go through that. Definitely. Yeah. Here, 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 here. I mean, 
<laughs> I will say as the female of this, of this show today, I definitely, and I've been having this conversation more and more recently is, you know, going into college, I, I definitely had the mindset of, oh yeah, this is going to be my career. I'm going to like be a, I'm going to be an, an Olympian and I'm going to get all these endorsements and sponsorships and continue to run. And that, like, that was my tunnel vision because when I started my sport, when I was 13 years old, I was good. I was really good. And I, and it progressed from there. And then as soon as I got to college, it was injuries. It was, oh my gosh, this, now I have other females to train with. I'm not just training with the boys and they're great. They're better than me. And so there's this struggle of like holding on to the masculine part of, of, of athletics, the, the competition and the doing and the, you know, just going to get it. And I forgot about and left the, the feminine energy of, hey, I could just still be and, and hone in on that and balance the two, right? Balance that masculine energy and that feminine energy, still be the greatest athlete I can be and just go with the flow of things versus it has to be this way, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. We can't skip C because that's part of the plan. And when I was in that mindset of tunnel vision, it has to be this way, life hit me after graduation, life hit, or I wouldn't even say after graduation, after graduation, after not getting the, you know, into the jobs that I necessarily wanted to be in, um, doing things because people said that I should do them. You know, you lose bits and pieces of yourself every time somebody says that and you go along with it. And mm. having to transition back into, oh my gosh, but who am I? I know that I am more than just all of these accolades. I know that just because I'm starting from square one again in life, that doesn't mean that my whole athletic career before this didn't mean something. It was part of who I was, but it wasn't who I, it wasn't me. It wasn't, it wasn't my full 100% identity. Um, and I'm so glad that you brought this up because coming from the perspective of each of us, Anyone who hears this can hear the same thing. Yeah, it's scary to start somewhere square one and be like, oh my gosh, I suck. This is not good. This isn't supposed to be this way because I've done this, 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 and this. And it's mm -hmm. like, no, we can start in infancy from any place in our career, in our personal life, in our relationships with other people. Everything has to start from an infant stage and you cultivate that so that it can grow. And I think, um, again, we've talked about this before, Taj, that's the struggle, I believe, of athletes once they're done with their sport, whether it's they're done after college or whether it's they're done after their, if they've had a pro professional career. We, we are afraid as young adults and adults to go back to infancy stage. Hundred percent. I one of, one of my close friends. Um, she just retired recently, and she kind of spoke about that. She she's got into a, a new career, but even still, she's not sure what she wants to do. 
and I think is a struggle that a lot of a lot of athletes go through once they're done. And yeah, there's so, nothing yeah. wrong with taking yeah. the risk, right? We've all, the three of us, yeah. and anyone, other people who who may listen, there is risk involved with everything. So why not take a risk on ourselves? Why not throw courage out there and say, you know what? This is for me. This is for my betterment. And if no one else is going to bet on me, I'm going to bet on me. Even if that means I'm starting from square one, I'm starting from scratch. 100%. Talk to us a little bit about Thrive After Sports. Yeah. You know what? Before, I'm sorry, I don't want to, you guys were just dropping so many gems right now. Before I even get into that, <laughs> I just want to share something because I'm over here taking notes. Hmm. Like, hmm. I'll start with this. Like, okay, so LaShawn, I love how you talk about, like, you talked about how it has to be cultivated. And I think, you know, when it comes to the mindset of being afraid to like not or to try new things or like looking dumb, like failing forward. Right. I think a lot of that it it, it does for the majority of us, I would say it comes from our sport. Like, Edwin, what you said about like having performance anxiety on game day. It's funny because I was the total opposite where I had performance anxiety in practice because I was afraid of making mistakes because the coaches that I had in college were not like the co- coaches I had in high school who like. Hey, don't worry about it. You'll get it next time. They were like screaming and it threw me off. So it affect. I was afraid to make a mistake and that impacted my ability to even get on the field because I was messing up in practice. And then when I did get on the field, I was fine because I was just in my element. But I say all that to say, like, I think sometimes if we have experiences, whether it's like, oh, we didn't make it, we didn't achieve at the level we thought we were going to in our sport, or in my case, being like traumatized or afraid to make a mistake at all, sometimes we can carry that over. And so, like, to your point, like, yes, we're, like you said, LaShawn, we'll be trying to cultivate and figure out this new thing. But because it's so hard to um, start at the bottom and being afraid, like, I don't want to make a mistake and I don't want to look dumb. And I don't like that was my experience. So I know someone's going to be able to uh, take a lot away from what you both just shared before that. I just had to speak on that because I was like, I don't want to just gloss over it and start talking about what I'm doing. Like, that, that's huge. That's That was huge right there. Thank you. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's important. And even though I know the three of us have our audience, right? Our target audience that we really speak to. Mine are female athletes. Yours, you know, who are active athletes and former athletes. Yours are all athletes, retired athletes. Edwin, you are about getting to the mindset, the foundational point of your mindset in sports, out of sports, you know, before sports. And, you know, we speak to all of these different audiences, but there is definitely a common thread among them all. And I I mean, I do believe that they can catch gems from each one of us. And I, and I think that's the, that's the beauty of, um, of Mind Talks. I think for, for me, is that's the beauty of Mind Talks podcast is that anyone who has any inkling of sports competitiveness, uh, being an athlete or even watching athletics can glean information and apply it to themselves in life at, right where they are, right exactly where they, where they are. Um, so having this podcast, having Thrive After Sports podcast, having, you know, the... Um, so my Zoom 
podcast that, that I've started with the AAU organization is called From Grind to Gold. You know, each of those audiences, you know, can, can get something from any of the guests that we have on. Because really, when it comes down to it, I think we all had that common thread of mindset, of, um, of discipline, of focus, and really taking care of yourself. Because I know, Taj, you've been challenged with depression. I've been challenged with depression and anxiety as well. Edwin, I know you've been challenged. Um, so helping others get to a place of acceptance and whole, accepting that they are whole, right? Accepting that they are whole in athletics, out of athletics, even when you're trying to figure it out is that's the goal for us is, is helping those, helping those audience members, helping those people who listen to these podcasts understand that, Hey, you're not alone. We are all in this together. We may be, we may have had experiences at other levels, um, at different levels, but we all have experienced in some way, shape or form having to, you know, being a part of something, not being a part of it, and then trying to figure out what's next. Yeah, 100%. So, 100%. so yes, so, I would love to hear, like I would ask <laughs> Taj, like, <laughs> I love your podcast and I, I would love for you to share what, what, what that's about. Yeah, okay. So I, I've been trying to break things down lately when I explain what I do into like the who, the how, and the what. So the who, of course, is former athletes, uh, professional athletes, collegiate athletes, Olympians, you name it. But I have a sweet spot in my heart for the collegiate athletes because that was me, the athletes who didn't even play professionally, right? So the majority of the athletes I've worked with and coached over the years, uh, either one-on-one or a group setting, has been collegiate athletes. But of course, I work with professional athletes and Olympians as well. So that's the who. Um, the how I serve these athletes is by simply uh, whether they're still in college and trying to prepare to transition or they're trans- they're in the middle of transitioning out, meaning like they just graduated last year or like five years ago, sometimes even 10 years ago. I've worked with an athlete who was in the early 30s before. Um, LaShawn, we talked mm-hmm. on, your, on, on the summit about how the transition is, it's not just like a one-time thing. We all face many transitions and really you're in transition until you figure out your new path in life. So, um, but that's the how it's helping athletes transition and I do it I always make a joke like I don't tell people like, hey, you're done playing. So what do you want to do now? Like before we get to that conversation, there's a lot of internal work that needs to be done. And I I make sure we do that heavy lifting up front. So once we get to the stage of trying to craft a new vision for the future, there's nothing that could trip these athletes up because they've they've gotten past the athletic identity and everything that comes with that up front. Um, So that's how I serve them that um, whether that means. Of course, helping them get through the transition or helping them find a job, helping them start a business. But really, I'm looking at the whole person. It's not just about career. Of course, that's a big part of it. But I want to make sure that they're firing on all cylinders in every area of their lives, the relationships with you know loved ones and um, how they're taking care of themselves and all that stuff is on point, too. Um, so that's really the how um, the what it takes many different forms. Originally, when I first started, it was just one on one coaching. Um, the demand grew for like group coaching, especially through universities. So I do one-on-one coaching, group coaching, um, of course the podcast, and then I've written a couple books as well. That's a new thing I've really enjoyed. I published my book in 2020, my first book, and I've co-authored several other books since then. So it's the coaching, the books, the podcast. And, um, when it comes to the books, I'm helping other athletes tell their stories, helping them write and publish their books, 
So that's another thing that I've enjoyed over the past couple of years. But that's everything that Thrive After Sports is about, just finding different avenues to serve and, um, you know, not only just help the athletes coming up behind us, but also showcase people like yourselves who are doing great things. And so that so people like us, not just me, can be role models and people to look at and say, like, look at what these people are doing. Like, if we can do it, then you can do it, too. You just have to find your thing and stick to it and um, and keep going. That's all it comes down to. So that's what Thrive After Sports is about in a nutshell. Wow, that is great. So I know I know you're working on a few other stuff at the moment. Talk to us a little bit, because I know you are helping out with ShakeOut as well, um, an event that's happening with that. So yeah, talk to us a little bit about that. So we got, I have a lot of different partnerships going on, but uh, <laughs> my partnership with, with uh, Classy Jane, I got my ShakeOut gear on today, it just so happens, but um, mm. I'm going to be speaking at a conference. I can't take any credit for, uh, aside from like spreading the word, I can't take any credit for helping put that conference together, to be honest. That's all Classy James. That's all ShakeOut. Um, I will be a speaker at the conference coming up in Atlanta. Um, But my partnership, I can't wait. The cool thing about that is all of us who know each other from online over all these years are now going to be in one place speaking helping athletes, you know, about with entrepreneurship, helping them get jobs. It's good. I know you inter- you guys interviewed Classy, so I mean, you already know the whole thing. But um, that's my partnership with Classy. It's more of just like looking out for each other. And, you know, anytime I need her to speak somewhere, she pops in. Anytime she needs me to speak or help spread the word, it's a two-way street. But two other partnerships, since you asked, um, or since <laughs> I just feel like sharing, Athlete Soul, uh, founded by Miriam Glass. She's a former Olympic swimmer. That's been a great partnership because she's a nonprofit um, and she is excellent at fundraising and she needs people who can coach athletes. So that's how our partnership formed, where she has funds that she's raising um, and I can come in as a coach. And in addition to the athletes I coach, I can coach athletes under the umbrella of Athlete Soul. And then also uh, Athlete Transition Services, which is founded by Jonathan Orr. He's a former NFL guy. He's been going in to speak at universities and doing workshops about you know, life after sports and athlete transition, athletic identity. He's been doing that for almost a decade at this point. And my partnership with him is basically, in addition to his workshops, any athletes that need coaching, he basically tags me in and I'm able to support however many athletes the university uh, wants to be coached. So um, I'm just, at this point, I'm just partnering with people who who are doing great things and serving the athlete community and bringing my skill set and my passion, which is, you know, coaching and, and speaking when it's all said and done. So, sorry I got long-winded on you, but you, you brought up the word partnership. I was like, <laughs> I'll tell you about them all. It's, it's, it's not long-winded at all. It's, it, it's good. It's good. <laughs> it's good to know is that everything that you're doing. So, all the listeners that are listening that maybe want to tap into some of the stuff you're doing, they'll know where to go. Um, so, there's no harm in talking about it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I love it. hearing about those partnerships. It just, again, it reminds me of the fact that there are, I mean, the cup is overflowing with the athletes who need what we have to offer, you know, and the fact that you are partnering with these different entities and spreading the word and, you know, getting out your message and getting out your coaching is I mean, it's phenomenal. So yeah, definitely not a uh, long-winded, that's a plug, that's what that's called. That is a plug, a promo, <laughs> I am here for it. Um, I got a little excited about the, um, 
the Athletes Unite Conference because I live in Atlanta. I will be at the conference. So at awesome. least one day, um, I'm not sure about two, about both days, but I'll definitely be there on the first day. And I'm really excited about it because like you said, you, you're just in a place where you see all of these people that you collaborate with, that you admire, that you follow online. Now everyone's all in one spot getting to see each other in real life. And especially, I think it's especially needed after these two years of being not in real life, you know? So right. um, how do you feel about that going into, I mean, I, I know that you've probably been in spaces again in person, but how, do, how does it feel to be going back into the conference space in real time, in real life, um, in front of, you know, viewing audiences and other colleagues? No, it's exciting. I'm, I'm beyond excited for that that conference. Uh, I think shout out to Classy J for even putting that together. She's done an amazing job with that. So for me, like like I said, my, my life and my coaching business and everything I'm doing, like Thrive After Sports has taken a lot of turns that I didn't, didn't even expect. I just wanted to coach. And I still, I still enjoy that the most when it's me one-on-one -on -one or in a group setting with an athlete. So going to conferences and speaking and all that type of stuff didn't even really happen until the middle of the pandemic like in 2020 i published the book and started getting invitations to speak and a lot of those things were virtual so now that the world is opening up again um and having the opportunity to go speak in person places and then to meet people in person i think it's priceless and i know classy you know i haven't watched the full interview but i know at some point she was probably like this has been a lot on me and you know she may not do it again but i think we all know after this conference this is going to become something that Classy does often. And I think it's needed to get all of us together. It's needed for the athletes who are coming up behind us. Um, and I'm just beyond excited for it. It's, it's crazy because I'm introverted. So I got a little bit of social anxiety about being with that many people and having that many conversations. But I think when it's all said and done, it's gonna be like memories for a lifetime. And it's a historical event. Nothing like this has ever been done before. So to even be a part of it, um, to be on the speakers lineup for an event like this, um, I can't, I couldn't be more excited. And LaShawn, to know that you're going to be there, like, please find me. I know there's going to be a lot of people. We got to find each other and make sure we actually, we actually meet in person. Edwin, yeah. you might have to come out from the UK, man. Yeah. You might have to come out. July, July 15th and 16th. Well, <laughs> I wish, I wish I was, but the UK was the, the way passport. So my passport's about to expire. And the way it is to, out the way to get your passport is really ridiculous at the moment over here. So don't think I'm going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> but I'm sure I'm going to speak to both of you to find out exactly how it how it goes. Um, yeah, so it's, it's going to be a great event. Definitely. Last question before we end this. So in terms of the mindset, what do you think you have now that you didn't have when you were competing? Great question. The first thing that popped into my mind was confidence. And it's crazy because I feel like my confidence, when I got to college, my confidence was, let me not sound like a victim and blame other people. Uh, I allowed my confidence to be stripped away. And it took me building myself back up, you know, after football to really get that confidence back. So I definitely have more confidence than I did when I was playing and for sure, uh, more confidence than I did when I was trying to figure out what to do afterwards. So I'll go with confidence. Um, 
I think too, just understanding that, like we talked about earlier, things take time to cultivate. So I don't claim to be a patient person at all, but I'm a lot more patient than I was. So I have a lot more patience and confidence. And I think that, um, you know, no matter what you do in life, I feel like being confident and patient, not, not, uh, Patient while having a sense of urgency. I feel like if you have all those ingredients, a lot of good things can happen for you over time. Hodge, like this, this episode has been um, it's been full with gems from <laughs> from everyone. Indeed, <laughs> definitely. No, nah, it's, it's no, nah, it's been a pleasure to have you on. It's been it's been great to have you as a guest today. LaShawn, thanks for hosting with me. It's been it's been great. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Hope we can do it again. Taj, thanks so so much for joining us this it, this was a great this was a great conversation and i hope this gets out to so many people likewise thank you both for Definitely. the invitation so for anyone who's listening um, for the first time thank you for listening for anyone that's listened before thank you for coming back there'll be more episodes coming soon